0: Hi, welcome to Ask a Pastor. Today I am joined by two of the counselors from Orchard Hill Counseling, Stacey Gallagher, who also works as a school counselor in the area, and uh, Faith Orkland, who runs the counseling center, directs the counseling center, as well as works uh, with people there. And today we thought it would be helpful just to have a conversation around the issue of hard conversations during quarantine (laughs) and so although quarantine may or may not last a lot longer we just really don't know Um, certainly being with people 24 7 even people that you're close to can be challenging and can lead to some hard conversations conversations about money conversations about uh, how to handle things with kids conversations about patterns um, stress, different things like that. So, so really, this may not have a lot to do in the end with specifically with quarantine. This may have a lot more to do with just good communication principles. But uh, we'd certainly love just to hear some wisdom from those of you who work uh, day in, day out helping people navigate situations in life about how to navigate hard conversations. So imagine, I guess, first with me that you have something that has bothered you, annoyed you, um, been a challenge for you, and you haven't yet said anything about it, and you're trying to approach the conversation with somebody who you're living with, and you know you've already said enough things that they are a little um, sensitive; they don't want to hear another thing. So it's not just as simple as just tell them, um, because you've already like hit the quotient of how many times you can say something. Um, how do you Begin to approach
1: that conversation. <laughs> do you want to start that one? That's I'll start it off. That's a, that's a tough one, especially because I feel like during these times, there are things that you maybe didn't realize, conversations that should have been had a long time ago, but now that you're forced to be in constant communication and contact with the same people 24 hours a day, Seven days a week, it's becoming a little more obvious. I think the best I heard one time on, this isn't my own idea, but I absorbed it as my own principle. Is somebody one time on the radio had said they approach it with the um golden retriever approach. So for the dog lovers, they get it like a golden retriever when they are approached by other dogs always roll over and kind of take the humble position and the position mm-hmm. of humility and roll be belly up first. And um, I heard them say that's a great way to approach. A conversation with somebody that might be difficult is to to say, instead of like, you're doing this, you're, you're annoying me, that you're doing that, really do a self check in that, you know, like, I, I really need to apologize, because I haven't brought this up sooner. And I've let it just continue to cause bitterness in me, and I need to stop that. So I think that's a good way to start the conversation where you're saying, look, like, I was wrong for, for letting this get to a point where I, I need to have a conversation because it should have been brought up earlier. I don't know, Faith, what do you think? That's really good. Yeah. Uh, the, another
2: old analogy is the Oreo, honestly, when we have a piece of negative <laughs> feedback to give that we are afraid is not mm-hmm. going to be well received is to start the conversation with something positive and say, actually, this is what I've appreciated about you during this, like this, and mm-hmm. and give a, give a positive feedback first then the filling of maybe the harder piece of it and this is something that has been bothering me that um, I would really like to see if we could find a different way of doing this um and then finish with the outside of the cookie and (laughs) say something sweet again say something that is positive Mm -hmm. like I and I really appreciate you and how hard you've been working at you know this and that whatever you know what I'm saying so something mm-hmm. positive mm-hmm. the negative feedback something positive makes it more palatable so
0: what if yeah. um, what if the situation is such that that the person you're having the conversation with and you really see it differently like let's just take the issue of money let's say that you know you're in a relationship and uh, one person feels like the money's really tight and you need to really conserve. And the other person says, we should support small businesses and order out once a week, twice a week, three times a week. And you really just see it differently. Um, well, how do you work toward a healthy resolution, um, especially when when there isn't a simple meeting in the middle? Well,
2: something well, that's that's happened with us before. and um... I think, I wonder why those two people have such a different view of it. Um, You know, if we had a financial issue and there was a discrepancy in our thinking like that, my first inclination would be like, well, let's sit down and look at the financial realities so I can understand why you are so concerned. Mm -hmm. If I don't understand why you're concerned, it doesn't make sense to me, then we haven't done our research of sitting down together and getting on the same page. Now, if we have different values, and say you're a a, you know you're a saver and I'm more of a spender, this is very hypothetical. Um, (laughs) Completely. Then I think uh, it's time for a conversation about you know what is it that we are valuing, and then weighing out those values. You may value security. You may value a certain number uh, Mm -hmm. that you're hoping to save for. I may value being in the present moment and creating memories with our kids. And so then you're, you're having a value discussion, not to um, devalue the other person's values, but to say, how can we come up with a solution that honors both person's deeply held values? Mm-hmm.
1: Stacy. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I was like, do you have a bug in my house? Because you literally just described my home over the past <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> Even to the point of like, oh, I want to support small businesses and let's order out. Like that was a little <laughs> creepy how you hit the nail right on the head there. But I love that concept. Um, I've worked with couples, interestingly enough, a lot of times couples that are in business together around this same issue and so it's whether you're running a business together or whether you're just running your household together. I love what you said Faith about sharing the the knowledge of the financial situation and the plan together. I think I think oftentimes we run into problems because I know in my house, you know, a lot of the weight of that falls on my husband. He pays the bills, he's the one that does the taxes, he's the one that manages our money, quite frankly because he's better at it than I am. But in the same sense, I kind of know where we stand and what's going on. And I think that's really important so that you can have those conversations. All too often, I've seen couples have an issue because one person is in charge of the money and the other person is kind of feeling like um, it's become a parental child role and, and they don't like to be parented and told what they can't spend their money on when they've earned the money. But it's a totally different situation when the discussion comes out of, Hey, we're doing these finances together. You may have one person who's, who does the logistical uh, management of the money, but but having both people in conversation about how much do we want to save? What are we saving for? Um, what are we spending our money on? What is our budget? When that's a when that's a combined combination, then it should eliminate, you know, the, the discrepancy that can come whenever somebody feels like, oh, you're just being my parent and telling me what to do, and that kind of backlash. Yeah, the- I love
2: that, Stacey. I love that. I just I like the idea of uh, getting on the same page as far as a shared vision for mm-hmm. your finances for your future. is yeah. if there is a if there's a buy-in and both people see it and both people get it, um, then it's a lot easier to even have those conversations, to talk about, and share information.
0: Yeah, so I like probably that. what makes this hard right now is, is you may have been on the same page, but things have changed so radically for a lot of people that. That all of a sudden, what was the assumption uh, a month ago can't be the assumption today. There's an old um, kind of way of thinking about this that I've always thought was helpful, and that is so often when we disagree about anything, uh, what we do is we end up taking a position. I want to spend more money. You want to save more money. And what we need to do is get off of the position and onto the concern. What what is your concern Mm -hmm. under why you're saving? What is your concern over why you want to, you know, use some money right now? And usually, if you can get to the concern, you can start to actually get to the heart of the issue and find some common ground. Like, I want to make sure that we have enough for, you know, the next year if it's going to be really bad. And, well, I want to make sure that we enjoy the present moment with our with our kids and our family as we're here, because we may never again have a moment like this. I don't want it to be all about um, the money. And all of a sudden, you start to say these two things shouldn't have to be competing. What we have to do is find a way to get both of these concerns addressed, not just the position. And if that's doable, that's that's really a helpful uh, way mm-hmm. to think about that.
1: I think we're in a really unique situation right now, too, because um, tied into finances is a I think people are learning to evaluate what we need versus what we want and um really kind of examining that in your conversation with a reduced income quite possibly for a lot of people and for an indefinite amount of time a reduced income. I think kind of being in the situation with the quarantine that we are now that's contributed to like we don't we don't need a lot of things. Like it's become a challenge in my family to how infrequently can we go to the grocery store and how far can we stretch what we've bought? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's fun for me because I like to yeah. cook and that's like a fun creative challenge for me. But but I think it's really brought to light. Like there's a lot of things that we would have been spending our money on normally right now that we don't even miss and it's not even like we need it. So I think it's a good time to evaluate needs versus wants right now too. That's,
0: that's well
1: put. Yeah, that's excellent. Now,
0: what about somebody who has a, college age, young adult age person who's come home to live with them, who has not been living with them, doesn't really want their input as far as how to uh, manage their life. um, And yet you're thrown together consistently again. Um, How should a parent especially go about having that conversation And how should a young adult go about having that conversation with their parents about where they want there to be some boundaries?
1: Well, I'll start with that. We've got a college student living at home now. Um, Now, to her credit, she's way more responsible with her money, I think, than her dad and I combined. I like to think that she got the sum total of all that was good about us. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But I've always, the type of parent that, um, I value honesty and, um, you know, having that conversation with your, with your college age student, like, I think it's okay to let a college age student kind of know like where you stand financially and how you guys, um, have decided to budget and finance your money, show them where you've gone wrong and they can learn from your mistakes. Um, especially there's a piece of advice that we wish we my husband and I wish we had gotten when we f- were first married and that was to learn how to live on one salary um because had we known that information when we first got married we would be in a much different financial situation than we are now so I think passing along kind of those I wish I knew then kind of information to your student or to your child um so eliminates so- the judgment piece of it you know go mm-hmm. ahead
0: so, so I'm thinking about something maybe bigger, not just financial. But what if your child doesn't even want to hear any of your "I wish I had known." I think this would be mm. good. And you're watching them make choices that you aren't sure are great for them.
1: Mm-hmm. And now
0: you're thrown together where you can't avoid seeing it. Um, so, mm. so you didn't necessarily see it all the time. Now you're seeing it all the time, and you're just saying, "How do I have this conversation?" In general, with this this young adult who may or may not want to hear from me, or in this case, doesn't want to hear a whole lot from me about any issue, financial mm-hmm. or otherwise.
2: Do you mean like uh, a moral issue, a spiritual issue, uh, like a, an addictive behavior or something? Like, mm.
0: Yes, all of the above. All of the above. Anything like that. Just how they treat people, uh, what they do with their time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I think yeah. you start with praying. Honestly, like, mm-hmm. like God knows that your child better than you do, and um oftentimes, just praying before you have that conversation that it would be well received. That you would say what you know that your intent of that your space of coming at the your child from a place of love and concern would be communicated. Um, I always fall back on the Holy Spirit when it's a situation where I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I think that whatever conversation, if, if, if you're talking about a, a relationship that has been strained or maybe a little bit distant, and now you're forced to be in the same space again, and you feel like you're maybe walking on eggshells a little bit because it's, it feels precarious, the relationship itself, I would proceed with caution. I would mm-hmm. say heart connection and, and secure the attachment first. If, if a child is already feeling like I I'm such a disappointment to you, you're always on my case. And, you know, we've had these conversations 10,000 times and I don't want to hear you. It's probably a time to put that conversation on the back burner while you rebuild the relationship. And, it, there is an opportunity during this quarantine to do just that. And I've heard that from families even who um, who have been a little bit more splintered, who are coming together again and finding some common ground again. If it's a, a behavior that is detrimental to themselves and to other people in the family, of course, I would say that needs, you probably need to deal with that directly.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: But again, I would say if, if you could, if you could approach it with not uh, anger or condemnation or threats, if you can approach it and say, you know, we're so thankful for this time with you, <laughs> all this time together, we have seen, we've seen some things that we've been concerned about in the past and they're, and they're still here. Can we have a conversation about this and the, the what what this is doing in your life and how this is impacting the people around you and just know that you know we are for you and we love mm-hmm. you and and we're we actually want to have this conversation because we feel like if you could pay some attention to this maybe make some changes that it would make your life better and mm-hmm. and keep it focused on them and their thriving and their health and take the the parent piece out of it you know the Mm -hmm. I'm disappointed or I you know all of the guilt that you've probably thrown at them over the years for making bad choices and if you can table that and go with we just love you and we want you to thrive and this seems to be getting in the way for you can we talk about it
0: yeah so when, when I, come, oh go
2: ahead stacy sorry
1: I was gonna say I like that and I think um, a practical tool that parents could use is asking for under asking questions with the intent of understanding I think that's a great place to kind of start that conversation that both um, rebuilds the the heart connection that you were started to talk about um and also eliminates the Uh, defensiveness that you might be receiving when you're trying to have a conversation. Like if you start out with, look, I just really tried, I really want to understand where you are. So then you can, and then you can step into the, all right. And where you want to go. And I, and I understand that and I'm for you and I want you to get there. And I don't think that what you're doing now is going to help you. As long as you guys can get on the same page, you're both working towards the same goal, make that under that understanding foundational. And that can start by just asking questions to try to understand your child better. Okay. And yeah. the, another thing With that, it, I was just going to say just
2: at, along the same lines and asking questions and, and, going into that conversation, like Stacy said, with, I I want to understand my child better. I want to understand what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And even, even if they're older, and even if they're uh, more distant, like to approach the conversation and say, I just, I want to know you better. I want to know what's important to you. What, what's, what's motivating you? What, you know, maybe what, if you have any goals, what they are, and that doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be lined up with my goals for you necessarily. But I just want to know and accept you where you are right now. That's pretty powerful.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's really hard for parents.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's hard. There's mm-hmm. already been damage in the relationship, too. Um, right. So, so oh, we're. Can uh, I say
2: one more thing, Kurt? Sure. Because that, that's such a good thought that if there has been damage in the relationship and you know as the parent that you are responsible for some of that damage and distance, yep. what an opportunity to say, I'm so glad you're here at my kitchen table this morning, (laughs) this gives me an opportunity to say some things that I haven't had the opportunity to say. And that is, I'm I'm, I'm really aware that some things that I've done have been hurtful to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm really open to to knowing even more from you. Like, how have I hurt you?
1: Mm -hmm. Beyond
2: this, are there ways that I'm not even aware of? Because I'm really open to hearing that.
1: And that's that's
0: great. This time really can be a gift to families where there's been some distance because all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you have this extended period of time that you may never get again to live under the same roof with some of your adult children or college-age kids, and, and certainly not with this much endless time. And so it, it, it's something to really take stock of and say, how can I maximize reestablishing that connection? All right, uh, we have just a couple minutes left. So let me ask you each just uh, one last question, and I'll direct each question. So about 30 seconds or so each. Um, and so, uh, Faith, I'll start with you and then come to Stacy. Faith, um, how would you try to help set a, a spiritual tone in your home during this time? Right? Like, what are some things that parents can do so that the time doesn't just become, we eat, we game, we watch movies, that's what <laughs> we do?
2: Um, we've done that. You know, music is important in our family. Mm-hmm. And it sets the atmosphere. And even though I probably listen to more praise and worship music than anybody in the family, I like to inflict it on our family as often as I can and (laughs) just create more of a God centered, worshipful atmosphere, I guess. Um, But if I don't want to annoy my kids, Along with that, I would say like the worship opportunities, the nightly devotionals, watching the service together on the weekend, talking about it, dinner table conversations. Um, something we I haven't done, but I've thought of is just asking more, like taking this opportunity to say, how how can I be praying for you? Mm-hmm. What are you guys concerned about right now? Okay. Stacy, mm-hmm.
0: um, what about for a couple um, who has kids living with them and so many of them that they never have space or time it feels to kind of connect with each other apart from their kids. What wisdom or words of advice would you give to a couple who might say, you know, this is great with our kids, but wow, we're just not getting any time.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say that needs to be creative and intentional, uh, depending on the age of your kids. I mean, we've been talking about families with older kids, so they can They can stay outside a room with a door closed for a a little bit of time so that you're just focused in on each other. Um, Find something that you guys enjoy doing together. I know there's debate about whether you should be even going outside in your neighborhood for a walk or not, but um, you know, spending some time maybe even taking a walk together is phenomenal way to connect. You can hold hands. There's physical connection. You can have conversation. If you have younger kids, they go to bed at some point, so you can work it out to stay up just a little bit longer than your kids. If you can outlast them, then you can outwit them. Um, but I think being intentional being creative and not just um, just letting it become habit that we get on this treadmill and forget about each other. Um, leave notes for each other. Um, writing a letter to each other is really great, so then you don't even have to have the time face-to-face when one's with another Person, but it's kind of just like expressing your heart and keeping that heart connection, praying together. Um, is a great way to stay connected, um, praying for each other. I like what Faith said, do that with your spouse as well as you're doing it with your kids, but carving out, setting aside time to just be alone while your kids are otherwise occupied or asleep, making your intentions to do that and be creative with your in-house date nights. Okay. Well, we're going to have
0: Let's- to leave it there. Um, thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Faith, for joining us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us on Ask a Pastor. And um, uh, please send any questions you have to askapastor at orchardhillchurch.com. We'll be happy to try to address them in coming episodes, hopefully non-Zoom episodes at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for now, Zoom is our medium, and uh, it's been good to be together. Have a great day.